Welcome to Bold Faith with Courage Molina, a place where you get empowered and equipped to be who God has called you to be, do what God has called you to do, and go after everything he said you can have without hesitation or apology. Let's go. All right, let's get into this week's sermon. Um, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It is your girl, Pastor Courage Molina, Bold Faith Community Church. Uh, we are an online church and it is our aim that every Christian in every household would be a minister of God's word, equipped to rightly interpret it and empowered to apply it at all seasons, in all seasons of life. Um, our mission is simple yet very powerful. It is to share the good news about Christ and guide you in studying the Bible for transformation so that you can experience God's best in every aspect of your life. If you have been looking for a church home, a community that is all about that, you have come to the right place. We are so glad to have you. What does it look like to be a member of an online church? Well, it means that you get to... Um, join us from anywhere in the world that you have internet access. That's what it means. It means that uh, we are here 8 a.m. EST every Saturday. So no matter where you are, um, if you can get your clock and figure out what time you need to be on, it means that you never have to miss uh, being here with us live. We are live in the chat. Be sure to drop where you are tuning in from, where you are joining us from. And I like to say all the time, this is not just like some online space. This is a community. We are family in this space. And so to be family here means that you're showing up on Saturday. It means that you are with us um, after we do this live stream. You're with us in the Zoom. Uh, we get together and we share our burdens, our blessings, our breakthroughs, our prayer requests, our praise reports. We really get to connect with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. It also means that you give here. This is your home. Then this is a place where you give. Um, you can go to the website, wholefaithchurch.org, and give a one-time offering or set up reoccurring giving. This is a church we believe in the principle of tithing. So if this is your home that you tithe here, I want to go ahead and take this time to thank all of those that are out there, all of those that are out there. That's not really good English. All of you who continue to give to Bold Faith Community Church, we definitely not do the work that God has called us to do without you. Okay. And it also means that you serve. And so you can go to boldfaithchurch.org and look for ways that you can join our volunteer teams. Okay. I think those are all, oh, those are not all my announcements. I'm tripping, tripping. Faith Ignited Retreat 2024 is already on the calendar. It will be happening July 12th through the 15th in Greensboro, North Carolina at the Grand Over Resort and Spa. It is such a gorgeous location. Can I just tell y'all that? And it is always such a good time to get in the space with people that we've been online with all year long and then to finally get in the room but baby the best part about it is the way that god shows up i am telling you right now that if you press push pray fast so that you can be in the room that god is going to meet you there in a way that you have never experienced them before breakthroughs blessings and deliverance such a powerful experience when we all come together you can go to the website boldfaithchurch.org to reserve your spot to find out all the details you don't want to miss it um, it is a smaller group so there are only about 30 seats available I don't know how many are open. How about that? I actually don't know how many seats are available, how many seats are left, but we're gonna we're capping it at 30 is what I mean. So you don't want to miss it. Uh, there are payment plans, all those things. You can find all that information out on the church's website. And so I would love to have you there. Okay, yeah, okay. Now for real, for real. That's actually um that is truly the end for real this time. I don't have any more announcements. <laughs> I pray that y'all are well on this good Saturday morning. I'm definitely ready to get into the um, message for today, the lesson for today. Um, as I said before, you know, our mission is to help you to get equipped in the word of God. And that means, you know, kind of changing the way it means that we do things a little differently, honestly. So kind of changing the way that um, we deliver the word, not 
the way we do it. But it's just different. That's all I'm really saying. It's different. So go ahead, get out your Bible. We're going to read through Acts chapter 24. We've been studying Acts all year. We're studying 24 this week. Next week, we're going to be studying 25 and then 26, 27, 28. So that way you can keep along with us. I'm always going to be preaching and teaching um, that way from that space so that you have time to get in the work for yourself. It is so important. I'm glad to be used by God, to be a joyful mouthpiece, to speak a word to you. But it is so important that we people of God are able to get into the word and rightly interpret it for ourselves. It's the mandate on our lives as believers. And so we just want to be a part of helping you to build that. Okay. Uh, so let's get into, oh wait, before we get into it, let me, I'll be so ready to get into it, Donna. Let me just let's see what this uh this background is. Let me give you a little, let me give you a little background. Um, so Paul is in Jerusalem. This is not a series. I mean, I, I I didn't plan it as a series, right? In my mind, I didn't set up and say, "Oh, this is going to be a series." But honestly, as I'm telling you, I'm getting ready to tell you the background this week, and then I feel like last week it's the same background that I told you, kinda. We're still in the same place, really. We're still just in the middle. Paul's still just in the middle. He hasn't actually done all the things that God has called him to do. He hasn't reached Rome yet. He hasn't got to a place where he's been able to testify. He's still going through dealing with all of these accusations being sent from one place to the to another. There's another plot against his life. Like that's always what's going on. And so that's really where we are. So there's a plot to kill Paul. We saw that last week in chapter 23 that there was a plot. He stood before the Sanhedrin. They were mad. So the governor, not the governor, the commander kept him and um, said, okay, I'm going to send you, you know, let me, I'm not going to be able to get through to these people. I don't know what their problem is. So there was this plot that they would request Paul be sent to the Sanhedrin again, and that there were 40 men who vowed, took an oath to not eat or drink anything. They fasted till they kill somebody. They, I cannot. They just doing the most to say the least. And so um, Paul's nephew hears about this and tells Paul. Paul has him go tell the commander. The commander hears this and he goes into action to protect Paul. He has Paul taken um, at night and with full protection to the governor. Um, he sends a letter to the governor saying, I talked to these people. I don't know what their beef is with this dude. Doesn't really seem like there's a real problem that I could kill him for or keep him in jail for. So I'm sending him to you because I found out there was a plot against his life and he happens to be a Roman citizen. And um, so I told his accusers to come. So he gets to Felix. Felix reads this. He's like, okay, cool. So now we're starting up and now we're at the beginning of chapter 24. This is Paul's trial before Felix. I'm reading Acts uh, chapter 24 from the NIV. Five days later, the high priest Ananias went down to Caesarea with some of the elders and a lawyer named Teratullus, and they brought their charges against Paul before the governor. When Paul was called in, Teratullus presented his case before Felix. We have enjoyed a long period of peace under you, and your foresight has brought about reforms in this nation. Everywhere and in every way, most excellent Felix, we acknowledge this with profound gratitude. But in order not to weary you further, I would request that you be kind enough to hear us briefly. We have found this man to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the Nazarene sect and even tried to desecrate the temple so we seize him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to learn the truth about all these charges we are bringing against him. The other, Jews, the other Jews joined in the accusation, asserting that these things were true. When the governor motioned for him to speak, Paul replied, I know that for a number of years you have been a judge over this nation, so I gladly make my defense. You can easily verify that no more than 12 days ago, I went up to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anyone at the temple or stirring up a crowd in the synagogues or anywhere else in the city. And they cannot prove to you the charges they are now making against me. However, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets. And I have the same hope in God as these men themselves have, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. After an absence of several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring my people gifts for the poor and to present offerings. 
I was ceremonially clean when they found me in the temple courts doing this. There was no crowd with me, nor was I involved in any disturbance. But there are some Jews from the province of Asia who ought to be here before you and bring charges if they have anything against me. Or these who are here should state what crime they found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin. Unless it was this one thing I shouted as I stood in their presence. It is concerning of the resurrection of the dead that I'm on trial before you today. Then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias, the commander, comes, he says, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. When two years have passed, when two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. But because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. Do you hear this? Amen. That's, this is why I'm telling you it feels like we could still be this could be a series where we're talking about like still in the middle. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's the title of the sermon, but it certainly could be the title of the sermon series here. These last few um, lessons have all been about Paul just being in the middle, not having fully overcome or received his freedom, not having broke free or not having a breakthrough, not being vindicated as of yet, like two years. Like my guy is still in the middle. I asked this last week. I'm going to ask it again this week. Who is in the middle? Let me just tell y'all something. I hate being in the middle. Like maybe other people dislike being in the middle, but when I tell you I hate being in the middle, I mean that with every fiber of my being. So much so that I will sometimes try and deny the fact that I'm even in the middle or acknowledge the fact that I'm in the middle. My therapist continues to tell me that this is why when I do experience burnout, I experience it for so long because I refuse to acknowledge that I'm in a situation where I don't have any control. There is nothing I like less than not having control. It's not always that I want to be in charge. I just don't want nobody in charge of me. Do you understand? I, it's not that I want things to end poorly, but I would rather for things to end poorly than for us to be holding on by a thread and then not really knowing how much longer it's going to be. I'd rather for it to just end right now. I want us to quit right now. I want us to break right now. I want us to go right now. <laughs> I don't want to be sitting in the middle. I don't want to sit in the middle. I reject the middle. But do you know what, you know what I found out? And you probably know this already. Y'all, some of y'all might know this. <laughs> you know what I found out? Your disdain for wanting to be the middle, that wanting to be in the middle, don't make the middle end any faster. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't make it end any faster. I mean, when I think about it, I'm even like that when it comes to travel. I like to be at a place but I don't like to be on my way to a place, right? It's why I you know, want to have clear, it's why I wanna have TSA pre-check because I wanna be at the gate, right? Even if I'm gonna to have to wait at the gate, I don't wanna be going through, even if my time is gonna be the same. I got to the airport, I still have to be there for all these hours, I do not care. I do not wanna spend my hour and a half going through security. I wanna get through security in 10 minutes, five minutes, three minutes, as fast as humanly possible. And then I want to sit down somewhere. And then I don't want to be trying to get on the plane. I want to be on the plane on my seat. Then I don't even want to be on the plane. I want to be at my destination. I really would like a being me up Scotty for my life, right? To just get to the end. Just because I don't like it. It is not, the Lord is not moved to accelerate my time uh, my time frame, my journey, my process. He's not moved by that. Okay. It's going to take as long as he say it's going to take. And it could take longer depending on me. I'm going to say that again for the people in the back. It's going to take as long as God says it's going to take. 
and it could take longer depending on you. Okay. It's going to take as long as it's going to take according to God, but it could be a little bit longer if you don't get right. And so one of the things that I think is so important for us, especially since we don't have control, I'm, I'm all about control and solutions and solving a problem and doing something to fix something. Right. But in this season of my life that I'm currently in right now, I just got to sit here. So I'm still, still in the middle. Maybe that's the name of the sermon. Still in the middle, still trusting God. <laughs> okay. Maybe that's the title. Still in the middle, still trusting God. And um, this, this chapter is just, it's very encouraging. It has to be, it's got to be encouraging because we ain't got no other choice but to sit in this middle. And it's all about how am I going to sit here? How am I going to be in the middle? How am I going to go through this? Not what am I doing? Just about being in the middle, right? Just about being. That is the probably one of the most frustrating things Um it's probably one of the most frustrating things that we're called to do, at least for me. Maybe you don't mind being in the middle. Maybe you don't mind waiting. I'm, I'm not interested. I just want to get, I want to get to the good part. You know what I mean? Um, and so here we are with Acts 24. We see that Paul is still in the middle. So Ananias arrives in Caesarea and he gets there. So Ananias is the high priest, right? That he stood before the high priest that had him slapped. And so he's there. He arrived at Caesarea, which is where Paul's been taken to uh, go before, to have trial before Felix. He gets a lawyer. He pays this lawyer. And they get there after about, you know, Paul's been there about five days. So it takes him about five days to get there. So they get there. The lawyer presents um, their case against Paul before Felix. And, you know, they do a little um, brown nose and, oh, oh, great, wonderful Felix, all this. But we already heard about Felix, right? We know what kind of man Felix is. So we know that they are just blowing smoke. This is flattery they got going on. Um, because we know who Felix is. He's a governor. He's the Roman um, procreator of Judea. But he was known as a man that was loathsome and cruel. So all this good stuff they sent about him, this is just, this, this crap, really. These are not real compliments about his greatness. He's loathsome and cruel is how he is described. And then he's married to this, uh, he's married to this Judy, this Jewish uh, lady. His wife is Jewish. Okay. Um, and so they get there and now they're making their case before Paul. They're making their case about Paul. But the case that they're making, they're saying he's a troublemaker. He's starting riots. He's trying to desecrate the temple. Um, he's the ringleader of the way, which is a Nazarene sect. And the reason they're calling it a sect is because, um, you know, under under Roman rule, they they had to, they didn't have freedom of religion, right? They didn't have freedom of religion, so there were only so many things they could believe in. You couldn't just be starting a new thing. And so, uh, Jewish, um, I don't know, it, Jews, Judaism, Judaism. I speak English sometimes. Judaism is a recognized religion. And so for them to accuse Paul of being a part of a different religion that has not been um, sanctioned or okayed, that is against the Roman law, right? So it's not even against, they're not even saying this because it's against Jewish law. They say in it because it's against Roman law. They're trying to say he has, he is pushing um, a brand new religion that he didn't even get approved. That's really what they're doing. And there's there are consequences for that. So they're pulling out all the stops. The, the purpose of the governor or the proconsul or the commander or whoever under Roman law is to keep the peace in your region. And if you can't keep the peace, then Caesar will send somebody to chop your head off and he will replace you. So by saying, okay, this man is here and he's under your jurisdiction and he's causing riots and he's not keeping the peace and he's doing all of these things. He should definitely, you know, have some consequences. He should definitely be killed. And so the governor, Felix, gives Paul permission to defend himself. Paul also starts with the, okay, I know you've been doing this for a long time, so I know you already know. Um, he told Felix that he could easily verify 
it can easily be verified that I've only been here for 12, that I've only come to Jerusalem 12 days ago. That can easily be verified that I came to worship. If you ask anybody, they will not be able to say that they ain't nobody seen me fighting, they lying, ain't nobody seen me arguing or even stirring up a crowd. And for that matter, if somebody was going to say that, it can't even be them because the people who attacked me were some um, Jews that came from Asia, which is present day Turkey. Um, that that's really who should be here. And since they not here, then tell these people to stop saying what they heard I did and tell you what they actually saw me do. And it's nothing that they can say because ain't none of that true. Right. And as far as them saying that I'm from another sect, I actually believe in the same God that they do. I actually follow the same law that they do. And I also have hope in God. Um, I have hope in the same God that they have and in resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. I actually, I believe it's a lot of the same stuff they do. So he's explained to Felix that he had been gone from Jerusalem for several years. I haven't even been here. I've been out doing my own thing. And I actually came here not to start trouble, but to give money to the Jews that are poor and are struggling. He tells them that I was ceremonially clean when these other Jews came and started trouble with me. And they're not even here. And so these people just, they, I, they don't even actually have an ought against me. And so he suggested he might be on trial. I think the reason that I might be on trial is because I shouted this thing at the Sanhedrin about, you know, believing in the resurrection. Felix was like, uh, -uh I already know how, where this was going. So he stops it. He adjourns the proceedings. He was familiar with the way and familiar with Jewish, you know, customs and things like that because his wife, again, Drusilla, is Jewish. Um, he would wait for the commander. Why are you waiting for the commander, though? That's what I wonder. He was like, oh, we're going to wait for the commander to get here, and then we're going to do it. It's because, one, he didn't really want to do anything right then. Two, he's probably, as we read later, hoping that Paul will um, bribe him before the man even get there. Three, why do he need to wait for him? He's the governor. He don't need to wait for the other guy to get there. He's saying that because he can't even see what the real crime is here, right? But whatever. So he suggests that they, you know, he says, we're going to wait for the other guy to come and then I'm going to decide your case. And so Paul was detained and protected, but he was given some freedom. Again, this Roman um, citizenship is coming in clutch for him. He's given some freedom to see his friends and they can come and, you know, take care of his knee. And so then a few days later, Felix comes back and he brought his Jewish wife, Trustilla, to come and listen to Paul. Just, she's very, she's very interesting. Um, she's Jewish. She's married to Felix. This is his third wife. And she's the youngest daughter of Harold um, Agrippa the first. And she had a son with him, Agrippa. And this guy is her second husband. It's real, real um, salacious. Her whole situation, being married to him because her husband didn't die or whatever. It's like, it's just, it's a big old thing, right? And because of that, that's important for you to know right now. So then the wife comes and he, they go to listen to Paul. And so he listens to Paul until Paul starts talking about judgment. He don't want to hear judgment because he know how he got this wife. This wife don't want to hear about judgment because she knows she is just doing the most right now. She's doing the absolute most right now, okay, being married to this man. So now they don't want to hear him. They send him back to the barracks. But he's hoping that Paul is going to bribe him. This is how you know he's not a good leader. He's hoping that Paul's going to bribe him. So he leaves Paul in jail waiting on a bribe for a crime. He, for, and he already can see that Paul has not committed a crime that warrants him being imprisoned. But he leaves this man in prison for two years. Paul did not bribe him. He is eventually replaced. Felix is replaced uh, by Festivus. And because he wanted to, he wanted to have this favor with the Jews, he left Paul in jail. I'll give you some little background. Um, so Felix is late. Is there are these complaints of Felix that he is cruel, 
um, there's about his cruelty, about how horrible he is. And so he's getting ready to go and answer for his, you know, behavior. He's going to have to go answer for his behavior as he's leaving office. He's being replaced. It's not that his time is up. It's not that he retired. He was basically fired and told to come back to Rome. And so he leaves Paul in jail because now he's got to go answer for his cruelty to the Jews. And so he wants to do them a favor. He wants them to see him in a good light as he goes over there because he's going to have to answer for his behavior. Does that make sense? So that's why he left Paul. All these things going on in the background. Um, who are the people that we see? We see Drusilla. We already talked about her. We see this lawyer. He's employed by Ananias and the elders of Jerusalem. That's who paid him. He tried to force the Romans into action against Paul in order to keep the peace in the empire. So he's. this is why he's painted Paul as a troublemaker starting up riots. Uh, Paul is just here. Again, this is the Apostle Paul. We see him in this uh, section of the text defending himself. And again, we see Felix hoping for a bribe. Um, this is what you got to know about Felix. He was also a slave. I didn't tell you all that part. Felix was actually a slave and he won his freedom. And so he wanted to exercise his, they, there was this thing that was said about him that he wanted to exercise royal power, but with the mindset of a slave. That explains why he was so cruel because he had won his freedom. He is trying to prove that he's somebody. Can we just take a time out real quick? Felix, Felix this governor is in this position. He has pulled himself up, maybe not by his bootstraps, but he there's a favor that's been done to him. He related to somebody. And so somebody gets him out of slavery. And so now he gets this position or whatever. And, um, but he's still got the mindset of a slave, even though he's got this royal power, he still has this mindset of the slave. He's still trying to prove himself. Um, still like exacting out this, this cruelty over people that probably looked down on him before he got his position. It's crazy how our identity and how we see ourselves and how our mindsets play out, not just in our lives, but in the lives of others, because he never got healed. He never got free, truly, in his mind. He might have been a freed man, but he didn't have a freed mind. Say that again. He might have been a freed man, but he didn't have a freed mind. And as a result of that, we can see the part that he played in keeping Paul in prison for two years. You can see his resistance to um, repenting because he continued to call Paul and Paul continued to talk to him about God and the way and all those things. But when he started talking about righteousness and he needed to look at himself and um, confess for the things that he did, he just refused. So here he has its opportunity to turn away from his wicked ways and truly get free from this slave mindset because who the son says free is truly free indeed, but he doesn't do it. How many of us are freed men and women, but we're not freed in our mind? You're actually out of poverty, but you still have a poverty mindset. Okay, Jesus, I hear you. You actually are successful, but you still have a lack mindset. You actually have an impact, but you're still struggling with imposter syndrome. So my life, this thing that I have, there is this disconnect where what I'm saying about myself or how I see myself doesn't match the life that I live. It doesn't match this reality. My mindset is still stuck back in a previous season, even though my current situation is not. It's so important for us to walk in the freedom that being free gives us both in mind, body, and spirit. And so I just started to think as I'm studying this scripture, I just started to think and I reflect often like, how am I like them? How? And I want you to take some time right now and consider how are you like some of these people? How are you like Felix? Do you still have your mindset? How are you like Drusilla? Is there a situation where you know that you're in the wrong, but to save face, you're continuing to stand on there because you're embarrassed or because you've made this decision? It's it's like, well, because I chose to do it, I feel like I can't change my mind. I can't go back. Okay, yes, I know I said I was going to do this, but I'm going. I'm going to change my mind. I'm going back this thing. How many of you are going along with something somebody said, but you haven't studied it for yourself? You haven't experienced it for yourself. Like so many of the Jews that are confronting Paul at this time, they're bringing these accusations against them, but they don't have first rate knowledge of this. They're not actually witnesses of this. And the way it's supposed to work is a person who's a witness against the crime. 
A person who has been a victim of the crime is the one that's supposed to bring up charges against you. But these people, they're just going along with the tide. It's this mob mentality. Have you been brushed along some way in a mob mentality, either about the things of God or relationships or people or people that you're related to or when it relates to your money? Right. So just taking some time to consider because it's easy to judge. It's so easy to judge Felix and say his cruelty, you know, he's cruel or whatever. He needs to let that go. But, you know, looking at ourselves and saying, where have I not extended grace? Because I've been offended. Where have I not extended grace because I've been offended due to my insecurities? Reflecting. Where, where am I the bad guy in somebody else's story and somebody else's experience? Um, I also noticed Paul is just so confident, right? When we take a look at Paul, we see that Paul is just so confident in who he is. He's just over and over and over. And maybe he's not just confident in who he is. Maybe he's also confident in and trusting God, but he just seems so confident in who he is. There are all these accusations and he is defending himself. He is saying, this is not, that's, this ain't that. He's not overly emotional. He's just stating the facts. Like, I don't really care what these people are saying. I don't care that they got an attorney. I don't care about none of that. Let me just tell you the truth of what it is. He has confidence in what he believes in. Where is an area of your life where maybe you're lacking confidence? So as we were reading through it and we're, you know, getting an understanding of what happened so long ago, looking at the people that are involved and really taking some time to reflect because it's not enough for the Bible to, it's not enough for us to read the Bible. We have to allow the Bible to read us when we're in our study. And so that means sometimes slowing down, sitting, sitting back, and asking us ourselves some honest, reflective questions. And one of the things that you can do is anytime you are looking at the people in the text, start considering their characteristics and the predicament and, and how they're responding. The problem that we see here is that, that Paul's on trial, right? That's the real conflict. Paul is on trial. He's been accused of doing something. And now this guy's got to decide how, how it's going to turn out. What would you do in this situation? How long has this been going on? I want you to think about your own situation. Let's put Paul on a pause for a second. I want you to think about your own situation. Right now, there's something that you are in the middle of, whether it's a difficult season where you're waiting on something. Like right now, you're in the middle of something and you've been in the middle for a minute. How are you behaving in the middle? Are you throwing a tantrum? Maybe you're throwing a tantrum with the Lord. Maybe you, maybe you are behaving like your situation is hopeless when you know that our hope is in Christ. So how are you behaving right now while you're in the middle? I can honestly say that I have not behaved well up until probably this month. I have been... <laughs> I've been throwing a tantrum. I have been responding and crying and even praying like where I am is my final destination. Um, as if the situation that I'm in changes who I am or who God has called me to be. So I'm, I'm going to just be transparent with y'all and tell you that up until this month, maybe even the middle of this month. Listen, I have not been necessarily speaking the truth. I have started to feel, I have felt like I was on trial um, with my kid. I felt like I was on trial. I'm not even on trial. I felt like I was convicted with my child. I didn't even get a trial. I didn't even get to hear the charges that were being brought up against me. And it started to make me question, you know, whether or not I was a good mom. There's something that Paul said in chapter 23. I know we're in 24, but I want to go back. There's something that Paul said in chapter 23 um, that stuck with me all while I was reading chapter, reading and studying chapter 24. It stuck with me. He said, um, my brothers, it's in verse one. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, my brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. He's not saying, I mean, I just, ooh, Paul is such a great example. He's not saying, 
that he never made a mistake. He's not saying that he hasn't grown and realized that he was on the wrong side of some things. What he's saying is, I have never intentionally, knowingly done the wrong thing, gone against God, manipulate. Like I did not intentionally do that. I have not. I did some wrong and I made some mistakes, but I didn't set out to plot against the person. That was not my goal. I, I, when I had Stephen Kill, I really thought I was on the right side of that argument. I really thought I was on the right side of that issue. I have done I, to, to the best of my ability. I've done the right thing. Or the thing, at the very least, if I did the wrong thing, I thought I was doing right. The word of God tells us that a man's way seemed right to him. Paul is saying what I did seemed right to me. And so he has this, there's this freedom and this confidence that comes from, like I said two weeks ago, not carrying this baggage of past mistakes and things. But there is this confidence in who he is that allows him to just speak up for himself, that allows him to be like, yeah, no, this is what it is, you know? And I think that Paul, I think that Luke, who was the author of this book, I think that Luke really wants to show the original audience that Paul's accusers were persistent and they wanted him killed. I think that Luke is showing us that while they had a plot, the plot didn't work. And so they continued to use whatever they had to their um, at their disposal, which is the Roman officials to do the work. I think that Luke is showing us that Paul is using this opposition that he's facing as an opportunity to continue to share the gospel. So be, because, because Paul is not, you know, worked up and like, he's not acting like me. Maybe he's not acting like you, throwing a tantrum because you're in the middle, so overly worried about what it's going to be. Paul trusts God. And so now he's got this confidence. And because he's sitting in the middle with courage in one hand and trust in God in the other, he's... God is able to use him even in the middle. I'm not just going to use you when you get to Rome because I told you you were going to be able to go to Rome and give a testimony. I'm going to use you at every stop along the way. What if God wants to use you at every stop along the way? From the time that you quit your job, every stop, post, mile marker, battle, event, struggle, challenge along the way from the time that you quit your job until you are consistently making six figures. From the time that you started the ministry, you launched the church with your five little members. We started with eight, with our eight little folks. And he wants to use you all along the way at every growth level, at every level of impact, at every level of influence along the way. But the problem is we can't be used in the middle because we threw too busy throwing a tantrum. We can't be used in the middle. Because we're in the middle, we've forgotten who we are. We're like a fool who can only remember that we are God's chosen We were when we're standing in the mirror. But when we walk away from the mirror, we forget that the Lord says that's foolish. We foolish like that. Maybe God wants to use us in the middle. Courage, maybe God wants to use you in the middle of your separation to encourage wives to continue to stand in the gap for their marriages, to be an advocate for marriage, to equip wives, to lead them in praying for their husbands, whether present or future. Maybe God wants to use me in the middle, but he couldn't use me in, in, in the middle when I was throwing a tantrum when I was focused more on my situation than on God, when I was allowing my situation to dictate to me what type of God I have, what type of God I serve, the type of dad that my father in heaven is. Maybe God wants to use us in the middle. And we can see that Paul, he's using Paul during this time of opposition. It's giving Paul an opportunity to continue to share the gospel. Every God is showing everybody that's involved here, right? God is showing everybody that's involved 
Paul, Felix, the attorney, the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the liars, the haters, that he's going to use this all for his glory. The people who are just witnesses, God is showing them that he's going to use, that he uses all things for his own glory. He's, he's revealing to us, he's revealing to them that even though they meant to kill Paul, God, their plot to kill Paul, God used to spread the gospel. The false accusation that caused Paul to be imprisoned, God used as an opportunity to spread the gospel. You know, so what are some of the principles that we can see as we see this? Um, we can see that the enemy is persistent. If you take notes, it's a good time to start taking notes. We can see that the enemy is persistent in his attack on God's people. Persistent. Everywhere Paul went, the devil didn't give up. The, the devil not giving up is not an indicator that you should give up. The devil not giving up is an indicator that he understands that that God is going to use you. It's an indicator that there is purpose, that there's anointing, that you're the solution, that you're the answer to a prayer, that God is using you to deliver something. Because if God wasn't choosing you, then the, then the enemy wouldn't be, be abusing you right now, okay? If God wasn't trying to use you, then the devil wouldn't want to abuse you. Bars. The enemy is persistent in his attack on God's people. We see that with Job. We see that with Jesus. We see that with Paul. So when you realize that the enemy is persistent in his attack on God's people, that there is a real enemy, which we talked about last week, when you realize that, that's got to change your stance. It needs to adjust your perspective and your gaze from your situation to your father in heaven. Because he's given us the authority. He's given us the power to overcome the enemy. And we know that weapons will be formed, but they will not prosper. Doesn't mean that he's not going to be persistent. The enemy is persistent in his attack on God's people. The second thing that we can see is that God uses the plot of the enemy for his purposes. We can see the word. The word is so good. We know there's a, there's a scripture that says um, God works together the of the good God works together all things for the good of those who are um, who trust him or are called according to his purpose right God works together all things for the good we see that and so when we look at that scripture and it says God works together all things this is evidence that God works together all things because God is using the plot of the enemy for his purpose the purpose is to spread the gospel the plot of the enemy is to have Paul killed, to have him on trial, to have him going before the governor and the commander, all these different people, the Sanhedrin. That's the plot of the enemy. And God used that for his purpose. Nothing is wasted when God is involved, not even him being in prison. Even his time in prison for these two years isn't wasted. Paul had the opportunity to preach the gospel to Felix and his wife over multiple occasions. Now, they didn't listen. But our responsibility, our responsibility is not the outcome. Our responsibility is the sowing or the watering. Our responsibility is obedience. So God has given me a message. I'm going to use my message no matter where I am. I'm going to do it even when I'm in the middle. Right? Nothing is wasted. Even your time in the middle, even this time while you are struggling, even this time where you don't have a lot of clients, even this time where you don't have a lot of people in your congregation, even this time where you're growing your brand and your platform, even in this time where you're separated from your um, spouse, even this time when you're estranged from your adult children in the middle, God's not going to waste this time. This isn't going to be wasted time. It's one of the things that I pray about, you know, that we are not promised tomorrow. And so all this time 
that um, our daughter is not speaking to us all this time, that Mike and I are not living under the same. I'm like, oh, God, I don't want this time to be wasted. But do you know when it comes to God, that's not even a thing. Nothing is wasted. He uses all the things for our good and for his glory. And we can see that with Paul, nothing's wasted. Even his time in prison is used to minister to Felix. We can see that God will keep us in a difficult and unfair seasons of our life. I am in, who is in a difficult season? Who is in an unfair, this is not fair. I don't deserve this. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm doing what's right. I'm doing what the Lord called me to do. I'm going where the Lord has sent me. I'm saying what the Lord has gave me. This is not right. People are mistreating me. I'm being mistreated. I feel isolated. I feel alone. We're struggling financially. Right? Maybe you're struggling with addiction. Maybe you're struggling with your finances. Maybe you're struggling in your mindset. And it seems so unfair because you're doing, I'm going to church. Like I'm in the chat, child saying, amen, I'm present. I'm studying during the week. I'm praying and fasting. I'm taking time with silence and solitude, silence and solitude. I'm observing the set. Like I'm doing all the things and I'm obeying God. But yet and still, this season is difficult. This is an unfair season. Guess what? God will keep you. <laughs> um, I pray, you know, I pray and I talk to the Lord. And um, I'm, we, my, my relationship with God, I feel like we're pretty close. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like I could tell him stuff. I just, I'd be talking to him, be telling him my real thoughts or whatever. And sometimes I, you know, I'd be praying about stuff. And I'd be praying, oh, Lord, just keep me, keep me in this season, keep my mind, you know, keep my heart soft, God. Don't let my heart turn hard, God. Keep me humble in this season. Keep me excited, right? I'd be saying all that, keep me, keep me, keep me. But then sometimes at the end, I'd be like, but real talk, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I don't want you to keep me. I want you to deliver me. <laughs> because God keeping me means that I'm in a difficult season. If my prayer is to be kept, I need him to keep my mind. It's because something is because there's a battle in my mind. If I need him to keep me in perfect peace, it's because there's some chaos going on around me. And so while I, I don't like to be in the middle, which I said, uh, isn't it a good thing to know that God will keep you anyway, that he'll keep your mind, that he will continue to provide for you in this difficult season, that he will continue to keep your heart soft, to keep you protected in this season, even though it's a difficult season, it's a tight season, it's a thick season, it's an unfair season. And at the end of that, God's promise will come to pass, even if you have to wait a while. Even if you have to wait a year, two years, five years, five months, oh, Jesus, not 40 years, but 40 years. I think with Abraham, 25 years, even if I have to wait a while, God's promise will come to pass. God's promise is going to, what God promised you about you, about your life, your calling, the promise, all of those things, that is going to come to pass, even if you have to wait. Don't allow the fact that you are waiting to lead you to believe that God's promise is going to come back null and void. It don't work that way. Even if I got to wait two years, oh, Jesus, my marriage is going to be restored. Somebody, I want you to put it in the chat. Even if I have to wait, my business is going to be successful. Put it in the chat. Name it. Even if I, even if it takes five years, my body is going to be healthier than it's ever been. Even if it takes me 12 months, my credit score is going to improve. Even if it takes me four more years, I'm going to get a breakthrough. I'm going to get free of this addiction. Even if it takes me, right, say that. Somebody put that. Even if it takes me whatever, even if I have to wait, I know that what God said to me about me will come to pass. 
it's going to take longer than you think sometimes. Still in the middle, still trusting God. It's going to take longer than you think. I, I don't know if you guys know this, but I fast the first three days of the month. The first, the second, and the third of the month, I fast. Um, the type of fast just depends on where I am. But I, I fast the first three days. And back in July, I was fasting. Um, I hadn't been out of, I hadn't been separated from my husband for even a month, right? And and we were, um, we talking and stuff, you know, we dating and whatnot now, but we wasn't, it was fresh. And so it was a lot of hurt feelings and just a lot of things to, you know, sift through. And in July, you know, I'm praying for things. I want, I want to right now. I want to quick. I want to suddenly break through. I want a suddenly resurrection. I don't want you to wait a couple of days and wait for it to be dead before you come. I want you to come right now. I want you to do it right now. And as I'm praying and I'm fasting, um, and I'm telling you I'm fasting because sometimes it requires a fast for you to really hear the voice of God clearly. Especially if he telling you something you're resistant to hearing. And it was in that moment that the Lord told me it was going to take longer than I think. He said, get comfortable courage. I was like, wait, what? He was like, yeah, you're uncomfortable right now. Um, where you are, you're kind of uncomfortable. I was staying with a friend and he's like, you're not, you know, you feel out of sorts. You feel out of place. I wasn't uncomfortable in her home. I was just not in my own space. I didn't have my own space. I was, was in a new city. I was just, I moved all the way back to Florida. It was like a whole thing. It's just uncomfortable. And the Lord whispered to me, get comfortable because it's going to take longer than you think. I know you think it's going to be quick. You left the house and it's going to be three months, two months, six months, whatever. Y'all going to be right back at it. And it's going to be all brand new zippity doo dah. No, nah, boo, this not that. I'm like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, no, this not that. This ain't that. It's going to take a while. So get comfortable. I don't know who that's for. But it's going to take longer than you think. I can't imagine that Paul thought it would take two years for him to get to Rome. This is two years he ain't even got to Rome. Two years. I can't imagine he thought it would take that long. But it's going to take longer than you think. So get comfortable. Get Go ahead and, and, and downsize. Because it's, it's going to take longer than you think for your business to take off. Um Go ahead and start start celebrating your uh, start celebrating some other things because it's it's going to take longer than you think for the church to get to a place where it can do whatever. Um, go, go ahead and get comfortable where you are. Go ahead and start making some friends and start thinking about the things that you like to do because uh, it's going to take a while for things to get. Go ahead and get comfortable right where you are because it's going to take longer than you think. The beautiful thing about God, as I say that nothing is wasted, is that God can even use the weight to build your trust and faith if you allow him. We're still waiting. We're still in the middle. But if we have the right posture, God can use this time to build our trust in him, our faith in him. Because the truth is, weapons, plots, and attacks are going to come. Maybe you're not in it right now. You need to, you might want to save this. You might want to save this one. You might want to save the last one. You might want to save this because uh, you might not be going through anything right now, but I will tell you this. Like the word of God says, in this life, you will have trouble. Weapons, plots, and attacks are going to come. They won't be successful, but they're coming. They're not going to be able to kill you, but you might have to wait two years in a holding pattern. I want you to start thinking about where you can apply some of these principles in your life. We didn't get this revelation, this insight from the word of God, right? We started by reading and, and really looking and observing some of the things and and paying attention and getting to know the people looking at the context and interpreting the word and pulling out of it uh, wisdom and biblical principles, not just so that we could have a list of notes of biblical principles, but so that we could apply this to our life. Where does God want you to, what area of your life do you need to apply this to? 
maybe you're fine with being in the middle of one season or one area of your life, but there's another one where you are really impatient. Maybe you're in the middle. What does it, what does it look like? I want you to consider what does it look like uh, for you to take these truths and adjust your perspective to them? Right, right now you're waiting on God to deliver on his promise to you. Um, whether it's in your marriage, in your money, in ministry, in your business. Right now you're waiting on God to do something for you. You're waiting on an outcome, some healing. I'm ready to be completely healed. And he's revealed these biblical principles to you on this particular Saturday or whatever day, maybe you're watching the replay at this particular time. What would it look like if you apply some of those principles to those areas of your life and consider where you will start? Maybe the first place you need to start is with having a relationship with Christ. I mean, I haven't even entered into a relationship with him yet. Maybe it's what you're thinking. And if you haven't entered into a relationship with God, that's where you want to start. Um, the word of God tells us that whosoever, that means you exactly where you are right now, regardless of the season or situation or circumstance you find yourself in, whosoever shall call on the name of Christ, Jesus Christ, and believe in him shall be saved, they shall not perish. If that's you and you need to accept Christ as your savior and your Lord, repeat after me. Father, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe that you raised him from the dead. I now accept him as my Lord and savior. I accept the gift of salvation right now. Thank you, Father God, for forgiving me, for saving me and giving me eternal life with you. Amen. If you said it and you believe it, that settles it. It's not about how you feel. It's about what you've declared, right? It's not about how you feel. It's about what you've declared by faith. And um, if you've done that, I want to be one of the first to welcome you to the family of God. So welcome. Congratulations. Welcome home. Welcome home. So glad to have you. Listen, I know you've just made an individual decision, but it's not meant for you to do this in isolation. Send us an email at praise at boldfaithchurch.org so that we can get some resources in your hands and we can help you to get connected so that you can be in community as you walk out this life of faith. I pray that this has blessed you. If you've loved this message and this message has blessed you, you got some insight, you got a reminder, you were encouraged and you want to help us to reach women and men all over the world, then you can give your tithes and offering at boldfaithchurch.org. We could not do this work without your generosity. If this is your first time and you've decided that this is home for you, that you've been looking for a place, a house of God that you can be connected with, that is a Bible-based, Bible-teaching, um, Bible-studying church, and you just love it here, hit that subscribe button so you can be notified every single time we go live. We're here Monday through Friday also at 7 a.m. with Mornings in the Word, helping you to build the habit of getting in the Word of God. And if this was good to you, Come on now, be sure to share this video, hit that share button, share it on social media, share it in that crazy cousin um, group chat you got, <laughs> and be sure to like this video. When you subscribe and share and like, you let YouTube know that this is content that is valuable, that there should be more of this out there. Let them know it's going to help other men and women to find this online church. We're not interested in being the best kept secret anymore. We want to tell the world what we know about Christ and we want to help them to learn how to study the word of God for themselves. And you can help us to do that by subscribing, sharing and liking. Now, listen, y'all know that we are not done. OK, you can see the Zoom link is listed in the chat. Um, 
it's pinned in the chat so you can go there because what we do now is we gather as a community and we share our breakthroughs, our blessings, our plans, prayer requests, and praise reports. It's a way that we really connect. Um, it's why we're family, honestly. How you family and you never come into none of the cookouts, honey? How? Uh, we might be related, but we ain't family. So we need to spend some time together. And I invite you to spend some time with us. Go to bowfaithchurch.org if you're watching this replay um, so that you can get the Zoom link so that you can join us Saturday immediately following um, the live stream. As always, thank you so much for being here, for choosing to worship with us, to hear a word from us, from allow for allowing me to share a message that God has put on my heart. This is like, this is the work that brings my heart so much joy. And um, I'm glad that you are here and I can share this with you. So thank you as always. You could be any place, but you decided to be here. And I hope you decide to be in the Zoom call with us because I cannot wait to meet you. Thank you so much. And I'll see y'all on the inside. If this episode has blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else so that you too can be a blessing. If you'd like to connect with us and help us to do the work that God has called us to do, you can give at boldfaithchurch.org. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram at boldfaithchurch and connect with me at Courage Molina. Thanks so much. Be sure to catch the next episode right here.